Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there. Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Fraser. Thanks for tuning in to episode number three. Hope you had a chance to check out the first couple that we've done. You're going to enjoy today's interview with Pastor Juni Hosu. Oh man, I hope I got that name right. Pastor Juni, if you're listening to this, I hope you're extending me some grace. And we talked about some cool things on this interview. Multi-siting, focusing on the next generation, talking about leadership pipeline. I thought he had some fantastic things to say about all of those. He's pastored International Worship Center for, I believe, almost 20 years. Got five sites and looking to grow. If you're a leader out there that's excited about reaching Canada and hearing how to do that, Pastor Junie's got some great ideas. He's coming up right away. So make sure you stick around to hear the interview. Well, Pastor Junie, we are excited to have you on the Multiply Network podcast. Welcome. Yeah, I'm excited too. Thanks. Yes. Hey, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of the history of uh, where you've been pastoring and how long you've been there? Well, uh, the church was uh, started 20 years ago, uh, the end of May. 1997, and I arrived here uh, October of 1999. But previous to me, they were actually looking for three other pastors or are ch- choosing from three other pastors. I was the fourth man in the furnace. <laughs> <laughs> I was never part of the the multiple choice. And then they actually decided to pack up and uh, do not pursue ch- starting a church because they could not uh, agree on who's going to be the pastor. And one of our former members from our church in the Philippines decided to contact my pastor who is now in Chicago at that time. And so he came here to Winnipeg and surprised to have met one of the pioneers was the caretaker of uh, Bethel Temple in the Philippines. Used to be the largest church in Asia under Lester Samra. And my pastor was the interpreter Filipino interpreter. So they were, uh, it was like a mini reunion from uh, guys from Beto. And uh, that kind of opened the door that they trusted him because of his reputation and credibility. And he said that uh, he has a pastor in mind, and that was me. And I had no idea. Mm. And he said that he was willing to uh, lay down his reputation for me. And so uh, after a year and a half, I arrived uh, October of 1999, and there were like six to eight families to begin with. So you've, yep. been, you've been there a while, and you've lasted in Winterpeg this whole time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we had a clear calling, no plans of leaving the country. We were pretty much entrenched in in Manila. My wife is a dermatologist and uh, I'm a businessman pastor. So we had no reason to leave, no plans, but God spoke to us. So uh, while I was in the middle of a three-day fast, before I met my pastor who was on his way to 
to the Philippines to talk to me about it, the Lord spoke to me that I will pastor my own church soon, which at that point I was uh, an associate pastor wow. of our church in our main site because we're a multi-site church. Right. So I was in the mother church. And, and then he came, he, he came and talked to me the day after I fasted and told me I'm being petitioned to go to Winnipeg. And so you, you got on a plane, got your family there, six to eight families starting International yeah. Worship Center. And yeah. uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of your story there because uh, mm-hmm. you've done some multi-site work and, and we'll get into that. But since you started, I, I know that you've uh, really wanted to reach out to the community. Everybody's welcome. So you decided to reach out to some of the gang members in your city? Well, it was the prayer until finally uh, one of the top dogs here came to me and, and searched for me. He was in the middle of a very difficult marriage and family situation. And a thought came to him. And uh, the thought was just to look for me. Now, he met me uh, five years previous to that point. So just a uh, high hello, introduce, and then that's it. So when he, when, when he was at the bottom of the barrel, he was, he was at the end of his rope. He had this thought to go look for me. So he contacted a friend who was uh, part of his uh, business before, who is now in our church. And so we met in an A&W restaurant. Wow. That's uh, one of my offices in Winnipeg because I like uh, the root beer beer float. Yes. (laughs) Reaching people for Jesus with root beer floats. Absolutely. So that's where he shared his story about, you know, a thought came to him about talking to me because he is really now desperate. His wife is getting depressed and suicidal. And uh, I said to him, the only way up is to surrender your life to Jesus. Now, the word surrender uh, on the street is you don't, you don't use that. You can get killed or it's a sign of weakness. They'll take advantage of you. But I said to him, well, that's the only option you got or you're going to be uh, seeing worse. So right there, I, I led him to Christ and he prayed the prayer. Wow. Yeah, and uh, that really uh, caught the attention of many of his people and friends and family. So our church, you know, uh, created a lot of curiosity from that community. Yeah. So uh, he was able to bring some of his friends. In fact, one of his uh, toughest friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, now part of our church as well. So... And the good news is that uh, we've been we've been praying and praying that um, you know God will use him in uh, in a mighty way. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So, and he's ready to go, ready to uh, do anything for Jesus. Love that. And what I love about your vision at your church is you're not just there to come and gather. You're really there to equip and send. And oh yeah. That's a big part of your passion. And you've even, you know, said to me, you look at Winnipeg as your church. The city is your church. And one of the strategies that you've used and continue to use is the multi-site model. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, seems to be very successful. So why don't you tell us, you know, just currently how many multi-sites do you have and where are they located? Uh, we have five sites and uh, three in Winnipeg and two, uh, which is two hours away from Winnipeg. Yeah, so we have five sites and seven services. All together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, most of our sites were product of uh, the sales structure. Because you, uh, we have a training track to develop people from salvation to leadership of a small group. Okay. And when you lead a small group, you can potentially be a cluster leader and a network leader. And that in itself is a leadership development, right. administration, discipleship, uh, visitation, pastoral care. So that makes me visit people less in their homes and hospitals. Right. So I don't do that. I spend more time in my leaders and developing new leaders, which now I have four interns, young interns. And how many of these uh, multi-site pastors, because obviously you can only be in one site at a time, someone else is yeah. leading there. Uh, are yeah. they all raised up from inside your church? Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, three out of five were from from inside. But the two others, they were actually part of our small group, and we raised them up to become site pastors, Right. the ones outside Winnipeg. Yeah, one of the things that we're noticing, and as I've talked with other denominational leaders, uh, certainly in our own PAOC fellowship, we yeah. are we need a better leadership pipeline. And there's churches like yours and others that are raising them up from inside. What mm -hmm. are you What are you doing to identify them, and then how are you training them to be site pastors? Well, for now, we are in the, in the midst of uh, uh, praying and fasting hard, you know, having people on the hit list, right? Yep, totally. The Bible said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. So that's the first step, right? So you come with a hit list. And uh, now we have started with four young people. And then uh, every year we're going to have those interns that are actually potential site pastors, church planters. Right. And, and, and I'm looking for somebody in the next five or six years to kind of face me out uh, here in our own uh, uh, main site because okay. I pastor a site as well, right? Right. The one that uh, you visited, the building. So that's our main site. And that's the largest site. So I, I want to raise up somebody who can uh, be the face of that site, the leader of that site, while I lead the whole organization. Right. By visiting them more, training more leaders. And uh, I would not be stuck in this uh, building and right. services. Yeah. Right. So the leadership pipeline comes a lot out of cell groups? Cell groups. Yeah, that's the basic. That's the fundamental. And then anybody who has gone through that, led, led sales or leading sales, then they can be potentially uh, interns for a year. 
And the internship is that I bring them to our board meetings. I bring them to my funerals and weddings and, you know, spend time with these guys, you know, bring them to uh, speaking engagements. And, and then we kind of um, huddle down afterwards, you know, what did you learn? Right. How did you see that I did stuff? And, you know, just like really mentor them in every fine detail of ministry and life. So even good. marriage, family, so so that uh, after a year, they're ready to be on the stage. Uh, one or two will become part of our pastor's council. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, a, that's a really great, great thing. Now, tell me, what is it about multi-sites that makes it so effective in your mind? Why did you choose that strategy? Well, it moves people from the pews to, to be active with a vision. Okay. So mega church, there's a lot of uh, people on the pews, right? There's a lot of people on the sidelines. But when you plant churches, you know what happens. Like there's going to be a lot of empty seats in our main church. So you have to work harder. And then you have to raise up leaders. You have to kick them out of their nests and get them involved. And then the, the church plan. There's going to be uh, a lot of uh, desperate people trying to grow their their their, their new plant planted church. I think some people they uh, look at multi site and go, "Well, that's exactly why I don't want to do it. All my best leaders will go." But, oh no! But you're exactly the opposite. Well, God spoke to me. Eh? The more you plant, the more I will replenish it. Okay. So. God t- took away the fear of losing, but it's more of like gaining in the long haul in the process. And then see others rise up and uh, do what they have not done in our main site. Uh, do, they do stuff in that church plant and in that other site. So what have you had to do to convince your church to keep on this vision? Uh, they just see that it works. It's, uh, it's leadership capital, but I'm a pretty much visionary, strong leader, so they easily get on board, and I, I really take care of my leadership capital. You know, I was raised up by a businessman, eh? and I was into business myself. You have to protect your money. You have to protect your capital. You don't have to overspend. And so to me, it's very important that uh, what I'm doing is uh, from the entrepreneur's perspective, it's, uh, there's a return of investment. It's working. But it, because if it's not working, then there's going to be less momentum, less leadership capital. So, but uh, the people know that it's working and they're good with it. Yeah. So now, now with the interns, it's, they know that these are potential church planters. And we're looking at the possibility that the, I think in the near future, Calgary is on our crosshairs, eh? Yeah. It's a target. Yeah. And is, yeah. It, and is it primarily Filipino or is it, you know, international, you know, international worship center? What's the kind of the target audience that you're aiming for? It's still primarily Filipino, but our focus on the young people is our gateway to uh, the mainstream. That's why we're big on the youth. We're big on children being on stage, teenagers. So if you come to our church, you would probably see that half or more are young. 
we counted them around the, the young adults, youth, children, they're around the 400, 500. Wow. Yeah, and we're really focusing on them. You know, the thing with ethnic churches is the lifespan of ethnic churches is the lifespan of their elders, right? Yep. Because they're primarily focused on their ethnicity. And, uh, and their young people, they actually move to uh, mainstream white receptor churches. Right, like Springs, Church of the Rock, even Calvary Temple. But most of our young people are intact. They're here and they're bringing their friends and classmates. And now with the basketball gymnasium, before our youth, we have drop-in programs. Man, there's a lot of boys coming in here. <laughs> My son said that, Dad, that gymnasium is really very, very attractive, especially with the hard floor, mm-hmm. shiny hard floors. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we're focused on youth. Uh, we have alpha in campuses. We have uh, youth groups in campuses of high schools and stuff. So you're not fearful at all of sending young people out into ministry? Oh, no. You know, they're going to be a double portion generation, just like, just like the story of Elisha. And that's what I've been preaching. And uh, given the opportunity when I leave the church, and talk to them about it. I didn't talk about it uh, in, in the conference in Kelowna, but I've spoken in churches in, uh, in, 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 in Richmond and uh, the church there in Emmanuel. And I told them that uh, it, we have to be intentionally focusing on the next generation or else we're going to lose them to the Pied Piper of the world. We have to. And so what have you done? So you talked about a gym, putting them on the stage. What else are and you doing to reach? I spend I spend time a lot. I spend a lot of time with them. Oh really? So my interns are they have to be twenty years younger. Now we're also in a mentorship program that you are to mentor somebody twenty years younger. It has to be the next generation. Because if you mentor people your age, the, you know you live with them, you run the vision with them, and then you die with them, and your vision dies, right? So this is intentionally me raising up interns to become key leaders and the other leaders are mentoring young people. So we have, we have a, we, we have one of our leaders who is uh, the one who, who's, who did the feasibility study on mentoring. So now uh, we're slowly um, picking up young people to be mentored by older leaders. So it's the next generation uh, focus. I love that. That that to me is is a bit of the certainly for cultural language group churches that that is something that needs to be need to be shared because it can't just be a one generation church. No, there there and and there and through the young people that's how you go mainstream. They 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 are no longer Filipinos, Africans, Chinese. No, they're now Canadians, and so they speak the language, they think the culture. And they know how to reach out to this generation of theirs. So we are, I'm, I'm facing myself out as far as being the face and the voice on the stage and the culture. In fact, we're even having our name changed because our name sounds so non-Canadian. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay? So we're looking at uh, the Summit Church. Those are, that's one of the choices we have. Yeah. You know, uh, Thrive Church, or so we're we're trying to come up with a name that uh, fits our next generation leaders. Junie, I love that. Uh, now, yeah. some people don't know you, but how old are you? 
I'm 49. And you're already thinking about phasing yourself out. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at 53 that you won't see me much on the stage. But I'm still leading the organization. Right. Yeah. And uh, to me, something happened in my family that made me realize I cannot be doing this for the longest time. And if uh, my leadership were not intact and in place, I could have not survived what I had gone through and uh, the church could have not survived. But when I, I think there was a time, a stretch of years that all I did was just preach, uh, did meetings with leaders, but the whole church was functioning and functional. There were cell group leaders pastoring their group, praying for them, visiting them. They were not looking for the senior pastor to do it because that's already the culture. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm not the jack of all trades, master of none. Right. I can still play basketball and spend time with unchurched uh, people. And you find that super freeing. Oh, absolutely. I'm not the office type. I would rather be out there speaking or talking or chatting with an unchurched person. And I'm not in any way intimidated by their cussing and all of their green jokes and all of their whatnot unchurched thing because I came from that. So I was a bad dude back then. So I love mingling with unchurched people. Sometimes it's better to mingle with them. <laughs> yeah. Than church people that are so religious, <laughs> they cannot even get out of the pews and uh, say hi to an unchurched person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, so to me, I need to live this by example so that the church can can see it and enjoy it themselves. This is uh, really good stuff. Like, I think sometimes we we think that because we get a bit older that maybe, you know, we need to be as the senior pastor, the main leader, always on the stage, but you're saying no. No. Uh, even now I've seen that, that uh, some of the interns are better at me in speaking. In so many ways, like a substance of it, the context of it, their diction, their pronunciation, their lingos, their terminologies are millennials. Yeah. So I would speak probably the same message according to my generation and the next and the younger generation would only get half of my message. While this younger generation, these millennials, they speak the whole 100%, the whole nine yards. They can communicate well. So why would I bother expending energy that is not effective? Yeah. It's less effective. So why would I do that? Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. So, you know, it's passing the baton. It's it's uh it's going to be 5 years of passing the baton. So if we have 5 interns every year, that's 25 new leaders. Yeah. New church planters, new senior leaders. Right. Yeah. And uh we're not planning to take them out of their profession and vocation. One of the interns is taking up law. So we want her to become a lawyer and uh, reach out to the lawyers and clients and stuff. Amazing. Yeah, but she, but she can be one of our lead teachers because she's so anointed to teach and speak on stage. And she can be part of our board, our council. 
because we have so many professionals in our council. We have an HR consultant with the government. We have a building administrator for Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. So we have very intelligent people on board. So it doesn't have to be a one-man rule. Right. <laughs> oh, no. You just have to tap this, this talented, intel intelligent, anointed people. Unleash them. So there's some senior pastors out there listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to them about multi-siting, about raising up the next generation? You know, give us give us your uh, State of the Union speech. Well, you know what? Our purpose and mission is to uh, make disciples of all nations. And uh, we cannot do it just by primarily the old the old uh, model of preachers on stage. The main guy, the chief speaker, the anointed evangelist and pastor and and so well known all over the world. You know, we have to raise up our young people. We have to raise up everybody so that everybody will do their part. And some of them can be better than us as senior pastors in in speaking, in leading, in winning, in making disciples, and just spreading the salt all over, casting the light all over the place. In the business world, in, in the underground world, uh, in politics, just everywhere, in schools. They have to be in the pillars of society or cultures, culture creators. So you have to raise them up. And the number of harvests that we have is dependent on the number of workers and leaders we have. Right. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. So my goal, my role found in Ephesians 4 is to equip the saints. Mm -hmm. Not to be the chief minister or the only minister or the super minister. My, my role is to equip my people, God's people, so that they can do the ministry. Right, And so I have to uh, do some benign neglect of so many other things that typical pastor does, which I have done 15 years ago. When I started the cell, cell structure, uh, I think 2000, 2001, I did some benign neglect of other people that I didn't visit. I said somebody else should visit them. I'm training leaders. Wow. And some people got mad at me. Some pioneers got envious. And I said, well, you brought me here with a vision, right? To win the lost, make disciples, and fill people with the Spirit. Yes, then I'm doing the strategy that's right. going to work. Right. So um, no offense. I love you all, but you cannot be all in my core. <laughs> right. You cannot be all part of the 12 disciples that Jesus had. So I have a core and I have to focus on them and then line up, be part of a small group, go through the process, be a small group leader and show your stuff there. Right. If you grow it, then you have, you have earned the right to be one of the key leaders. If not, then, well, God is calling you somewhere else, like a deacon or, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be a position, just serve. Right. Okay. So yeah, I have, I, I have not done a typical pastor stuff or pastor load for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So, so I am not burned out by ministry. And should we multi-site? Oh, absolutely. Because there are, there are apostles in our churches. We need to find them. We need to, uh, 
find them, we need to equip them, and then we need to deploy them. Or else we are missing on the gifts God has given. Not just the spiritual gifts, the nine spiritual gifts, but also the fivefold ministry gifts. They're in my church. They're, they're uh, diamonds in the rough. And my goal is to find them. I'm a miner. <laughs> <laughs> You're mining for gifts. I'm mining for gifts. And then you process them. And then you unleash their potential and power. Love it. And you see that they're actually doing better stuff than you. Because they're gifted there. This is fantastic stuff, Pastor Junie. And I just want to thank you for your time today. So yep. good. And uh, we're cheering you on. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, the best days of, our, of, of the church is before us. I agree. But we just need some strategic leaders and pastors. And even leaders are willing to um, ruffle some feathers. Because when I came here, uh, the church was the product of two splits. They were from two churches. Wow. So I have to love them with tough love. Yeah. And I was the youngest adult. They were mostly older than me, like parents and grandparents. And in my culture, you have to bow to them. But I said, I bow to no one but Jesus. And I have a vision and I love you. You brought me here. I'm a no-nonsense guy. It's either we have results or we don't. If we don't have results, we pack up. I go back to the Philippines. Sayonara. I'm done. <laughs> But, you know, I said to them, if in seven years the church did not grow, I'm going to pack up and leave. But in seven years, the church grew to 500 from three, six families. I would say that we have to clone you, but you're already reproducing yourself and others. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're reproducing Christ followers, eh? Come on. It's not, it's not about me. I'm not, I'm not the best example out here or out there. But Jesus is. So right. you, have to ha you have to focus them on Jesus. You show them your weaknesses too. Yeah, that's a so big part of it. Oh, so, that, so, they, so that they know that uh, you're not the guy that they need to really fully emulate. They need to focus their eyes on Jesus. And so I'm pretty much an open book here. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks for opening your book to us on the Multiply Network. Well, my pleasure. We're part of the team. So anyway, any way we can help, any which way. All right. Thanks so much again. Have a great day. Thank you, too. God bless. Bye-bye.